Hola, hola. Yeah. Well, hello. Oh, good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, get rid hey, of check that. this out. Well, here we are. We got intro music. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. Why do they call that bumper music? I, I don't know. Does it make you want to bob your head? That's it. I mean, that bumps, bro. That bumps. Straight on. There we go. There All we right. go. Oh, yeah. Cool. We are that happy. Bumps. Oh, man. We got, we got intro music for oh, the questions podcast. Man. Life is amazing. That's like legit. It kind of is. Man, oh man, I could just sit here and listen to it. Did you write that, or did we steal that no, from somebody? No, it's it's a uh, license free or copyright free. Nick, oh, okay, used, cool. Nick used it for our advertisement. Remember the advertisement oh, we showed at church? Right. Yeah, the questions. It looked like there was a lot of action going on, like something was really happening. We looked like we're pretty awesome in that. that oh little my video. gosh! You know, I my daughter uh, every year does this. Um, they do like this twenty-four hour film festival where they give you a subject, uh-huh. and then this you have a team of people and you go out and you make a movie. Oh wow! And then they're judged. Ooh, but it's really hard Judgment. to do a movie in twenty-four hours. Judgment. So I don't she, know all these YouTubers, man. They do some amazing things in twenty-four hours. Yeah. Well, this, so she's doing this thing this year where it's just oh, so they're doing it this year. A scene out of a movie. It's a different deal. Some of the same people. Saving Private Ryan beach scene. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Lots of bass. So she's writing just for this scene. She writes the music, the music. for that, and she's been working on it. So she's you know. Like Hans Zimmer and who's that other guy? Uh, James Newton Howard. They're both heroes for her. She's yeah. like, you know, writing soundtracks. So anyway, that was very soundtracky. It was kind of Can we hear that again? You want me to play it again? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, wait, hold on. We need some levels. There it is. We cut, even have a kind of the scene where Mark's going around the corner with his gun. Can, yeah. Let's do it this way. Oh, yeah. This is the loud one, the loud version. That was awesome. That was pretty awesome. That you and I should be like running around with guns, chasing felons, and that. I feel like Starsky and Hutch music. That is kind of the yeah, it's absolutely. Kind of the vibe. That's our that's our new theme song. All right, cool. Well, for this week, we'll see if we it's keep got a it. theme song. I love it. We're we're pretty thematic. Ooh, yeah. Is that a good thing? I don't know. All right, sounds good to me. I'm just gonna roll with it. When somebody says a big word, oh wow, we're jumping right into it. Yeah. Oh no, oh no, no. When somebody a... says a big word that I don't understand, uh huh. That or, never happens to you. Never, almost never. But anyway, when it does, I just I just roll with it. I'm like, okay, just roll cool. with it. What's a what's a big word that you've heard recently that you you didn't really understand? It's been a while. It's been a while. Usually, I can figure out what it means. Yeah. Well, that's good. So yeah. Anyway, think of any new big words. Uh, supercalifragilistic. You know, the Germans they just like piece words together, like multiple words together, and then it just becomes one giant big word. Hmm. I make words up sometimes. Hmm. Okay. Got some news here. Oh, okay. We're doing a news story. Is you that, can you can respond to the, the news. The surprise the, this is the, the news, news story of the moment. Week. The right. Miles and Mark moment news moment. Uh, the World Health Organization WHO has for the first time recognized burnout in its International Classification of Diseases, the ICD, which is widely used as a benchmark for diagnosis of health insurers. So burnout, it's officially a disease. It's a thing? Yeah. But then there's another one that they have deemed an illness as well. This one I thought was pretty interesting. The World Health Organization on Saturday adopted the latest update to its international classification of diseases, which adds gaming disorder 
to its list of modern diseases. Oh, my thumbs hurt. I guess oh, so. I got I got a crook in my thumb. Young people are disposed to gaming disorder. I guess it's a disease. Yeah. We yeah. used to call that vegetative state. Vegetative state? Yes, vegetative state. Yeah, don't stare at that for too long. Your eyes won't work very yeah. well. My dad used to say, stop getting so close to the TV. You'll get radiation eyeballs. Man, oh man. So here's, here's another one that I thought. This is like a... You know, we, we put all this stock in the West and scientists. Scientists are like, they're like the priests of the new world religion. Science. Science says. So this one caught my attention uh, that exploding stars led to humans walking on two legs, radical study suggests. It was the evolutionary leap that defined the species while other apes ambled around on all fours. The ancestors of humans rose up on two legs and from that lofty position went on to conquer the world. The benefits of standing tall in the African savanna are broadly nailed down. But when what prompted our distant forebears to walk upright as far from clear? So we don't know what did it. But now these scientists have deduced that like 164, no, I think they said 7 million years ago. 7 million years ago. You know, there was a, some super, supernovae that supernova? were, that were 164 light years away that exploded and when the radiation reached earth some six million years ago it caused more lightning strikes which caused fires in the forests of ancient africa and it caused those who were able to it, it caused a deforestation and now you had savanna grasslands and those uh those early primates that walked on all or on twos they on their two feet they were bipedal and uh they survived better that's how we ended up walking on two legs you as, believe that? As a man who's 1% African, I'm deeply <laughs> offended by that theory. You, you don't believe that? And I'm also bipedal because I ride bikes twice a week with both pedals. With a bicycle. Absolutely. And I'm bipedal. So you don't and just so, bipedal, you bicycle. I, absolutely. And so um, that's ridiculous. Where do these people come up with this stuff? Everybody knows amazing. that the guy was bent over, Sasquatch kicked him in the rear end, and he stood up straight. And it, the guy goes, hang on, I can get to the Oreos like this in much, the supermarket. Much I can get to those. Man, oh man. You know, I'm taller. I might, I might. And then the NBA, we, that's how you got in the NBA. Yeah. That is the most ridiculous thing. It was uh, 7 million years ago. There were supernovae that caused radiation that caused more lightning strikes that made it so that all the, the forests burned down, which caused the savanna grasslands, which caused the apes to start walking on two I, feet. I, I don't have enough faith. Carl Sagan, Carl Sagan, stuff. give me the faith. This yeah. thing reads like like facts. Like they went back in time in a time machine and they they found all this to be. Did the they case. use any other big words besides bipedal? Way back, way, way back, back machine. You way use back, a way back machine. machine. Yeah. Ooh. You know what waybacks are in a car? No, there's a thing. Yeah, it's For a real, real thing called waybacks. What's a wayback in a car? If you are like in a station wagon, uh -huh. uh, or that sometimes they have cars that are the seats are in the wayback. And they are <laughs> the ones that face the face the back of the car. I just saw today when I was dropping my kids off at school, someone has a Tesla Model S with way back seats in the back of the Tesla Model S, looking out the back window. You get a little twinkle in your eye when you see Tesla love those Model S. Yeah, I like those. It's cars. like an iPad with wheels. It you basically really is. Really get excited. About it it that. really is. Yeah, yeah. So, me and technology. Wow. Speaking of technology, we've got a whole new studio set up here. This is impressive. That's why we have bumper music. We got bumper music. We got we the have, goods. Uh, you want to show off some of your fine equipment? I don't know. You know what I can do? Look. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hang on a second. I need volume. When you say something that you shouldn't say. 
I can beat you out. That's what I can do. Sassafras. Yep, absolutely. That's pretty cool. We got applause. We do have canned laughter, though. You do? Yeah, that's good. And then when I say something that just doesn't go over very well. Crickets. Anyways, yeah, we got all that. You ever ever to church and some guy does the announcements? Uh-huh. And he tries to, like... Say a joke, yeah. But he's no, no. He no. like he says a joke. Yeah. He typically will be the you know chief financial officer. They make him do announcements. That wasn't and then punchline. nobody laughs, and you hear crickets. Yep, that's a problem. Yeah, and then he never wants to do announcements ever again. The other thing we can do, which we tested out today, we can make phone calls on this. We can take, we can have a call in show. We had two calls today. We did. did. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. I'm not sure we could be trusted with this type of power. Man, it's like a fully operational battle station. I even had to clean my desk a little bit to make room for it. <laughs> Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Oh, boy. All right. Well, hey. Life is good. Yeah, life is good. We're having fun here today. We have fun here every day. As a matter of fact, we do. Pretty much. Uh-oh. I love doing what we do. Uh-oh, telephone call. Is somebody I calling? I can't take that right now. You could, but you might be in trouble. Yeah. Nope, not right now. Okay. Anyways. So do you want to talk about some questions? Or yeah, what do you we kind of did the about? news moment. Well, we got our news moment. Bipedal. Yeah. I mean, what? bipedal. Oh gosh, supernova to the pants, supernovae. and the guy stood up. Is that what happened? Supernovae. I got electrocuted once by lightning. What? I guess when did it, this happen? So, I didn't get hit by lightning, but that could happen. Definitely, maybe even during a podcast on a clear day. But right in here, definitely. I was hanging out on too. a stormy day. I was hanging out in the back of the boat. And my wife doesn't like lightning and thunder. I think it's the coolest. Thunderbolt of lightning, very, very frightening. Yes, but, Mm -hmm. Galileo, the thing that's cool about it is it's like God's power displayed. So Mm -hmm. I I thought it was cool. My dad used to say, that's the devil beating his wife when he heard the the thunder. The devil beating his wife? Yeah, he goes, that's the sound. That's what his grandpa told him. But I'm like, man, that's God's power displayed. So So the devil's wife, does she hang out in Hell's Kitchen? Probably. In New York? I wonder, yeah, she probably makes a good lasagna. I don't know. Anyway, a mean lasagna. Mean lasagna. It would have to be mean. So the lightning is striking and thundering and all this other very, stuff. Very, very frightening. And I go to the back deck of my boat to appreciate this. Yeah. And you I, were the highest thing on the water? I was holding on to the rails. Ah. And there's all these sailboats around me. And lightning must have touched pretty close or there was static in the air, but I actually got a shock. Did your hair like, stand up? It did. Whoa. And I came in back into the cabin, and, and my wife was somewhere between like, I told you so. Yeah. Because she says, don't go out there. Uh-huh. To, I wonder if he's going to die. Yeah. But I was fine. So, you know, uh, years and years and years ago, when we were wiring this facility here, they asked me, I was like 19, maybe. They asked me to wire the phones. And so <laughs> I was wiring the phones, and most phones only take two wires. But the phones we had around here had four wires. Ooh. And I, I didn't realize that there's some power going through that, especially when like the phone gets buzzed or is ringing. Oh. Man, I got the shock of my life from that little thing. Went right up my shoulder. It hurt. So they had a thing back in the day when you used to have to crank phones back like in the 20s yeah, and 30s, okay. crank phones. You remember those there's days, There's a huh? magneto. No, I, but I've seen it. Oh, okay. Okay. But what guys used to do uh-huh. are Cajun friends in fact one day Boudreaux I'm sure will be on the show but what they would do is they stick those wires out of the phone into uh-huh. the 
bayou or the swamp and you turn it. Yeah. And the electricity makes fish float to the top. You just zap them, huh? Better than grenade fishing. Man. It works really good. There's some serious power coming out of there. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't work in the ocean so well. Huh. It'll work in a bay. Is yeah. saltwater less conductive or way more I don't conductive? Remember. I don't remember way my, more my class, my science classes from high school. It's if been to our Spanish years. speaking friends, moss conductive. Moss, moss, very seriously. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, we got some questions from our. And we, away we go. Here we go. Yeah. We've got faithful listeners. Really? Yeah. We do. People stop me all the time to get me come a and password tell of the day. us how much they love the show. Yeah. Do you think if they didn't like it, they'd say something? Probably not. Those are the other people that don't say anything. They just stop listening. Okay. We're, you know what we're you getting do? more listeners every day. All right. We're practically famous. Okay. So famous. So famous. It says it's cut off, so it was sent from my... So this is probably from an iPhone, because it says sent from oh, my iPhone. Did, it, did yeah. that show up on there? Yeah. So Axe1348, it says, quote, now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as have been appointed to eternal life believed. End of quotes. Appointed by whom? Hmm. I like that. Hmm. Do we need to read more of that in Acts to really get a full picture? You or? want me to get some context there? Yeah, grab some context. Let's me, go a few verses before. Uh, so, uh, this is... I Paul think I feel like you know Barnabas an ounce of context is worth four pounds of explaining. A text without a context is a pretext to a proof text. That's like a T-shirt or a meme or something. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. Dude. Yep. Yep. Okay. So what do we got? Uh, verse forty-two, Acts thirteen. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath day. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews had devout proselytes fo- and the and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them continuing to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath day, the whole city came together to hear the word of God. How awesome is that? Whole city? I guess so. Antioch. Man. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. And then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said. So they were like jealous of the Harvest Crusade, so to speak. Yeah, pretty much. They grew bold. It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's good good stuff. That's first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas. Do we got a little bit of a Calvinist troll going on here, you think? Or you what? know, we definitely Is do. that what they're looking? I thought we definitely I, I, felt the, I felt the rip turn. You, you kind of felt my, the My toe tingled like a shark nice, bumped up nice. against it. Yeah. it kind of like there was some lightning that struck the water and zapped no, your hair. Okay, like when you're diving? Yeah. And like all of a sudden you feel something bump up against you, it's a little creepy. And it's not your dive buddy. It's not your dive buddy. It's Ooh, a little creepy. Never dive without a dive buddy. Never. That we learned that in we our dive class. We learned that in our dive we? class. Yeah. Yeah. And keep keep close watch on your dive buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So dive buddy. That's kind of like a moving buddy. Yeah. You got to have a moving buddy. There you go. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, like with many of the scriptures, throughout dealing with salvation and soteriology and stuff, this sort of thing. Uh, this is one of those passages that has multiple different ways that people interpret it. Scholars, commentators, Bible teachers, they interpret different passages different ways. Pray tell, what are those ways? Lots of different ways. 
Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So depending on your theological position, whether you're a Calvinist or a non-Calvinist, you're going to view this passage different. So so if I'm a Calvinist, we're going to say that guy was appointed. Order of salvation that God outside of time mysteriously chose a certain group of people to be saved and the rest he chose not to be saved. That's what a Calvinist is going to say. Obviously, I don't hold that position. So uh, I, I did go and look at a couple of different takes on this passage just because I think this is an interesting portion of scripture here. Did so, our one Bible commentator say anything? No, Mr. Guzik had nothing to say. Oh, you're not supposed to mention his name, are you? I'm going to mention his name anyway. Let's throw him under the bus. Okay. Acts 13, 48. How dare he not give a strong comment on this passage? Did he go Switzerland on this? Oh, my goodness. We're going to be in trouble for sure. (laughs) I can't believe it. Yeah. Wow. He didn't give an opinion, huh? No. no, Okay. No. But, so, there was... Uh, a scholar who had some some ideas on this that I thought were rather interesting. Um, so he said, one of the ways to interpret this is that the Gentiles in Acts 13 were prepared for or appointed to eternal uh, eternal life because they humbly recognized their sin and believed in God, unlike the Jews who had willingly rebelled, as we saw in the previous passage, in the context, because you got to get context. And so they had rebelled, they had grown callous to the truth of God. And uh, he goes on and says, there are a number of approaches to understanding the intention of this passage within the historical context. Dr. Brian Abaskino, I think it is, notable Greek and New Testament scholar writes, the best understanding of the word appointed in Acts 13, 48 is that it refers to the Gentiles who were in position for eternal life, ready for eternal life, or even intent on obtaining eternal life, particularly in contrast to the Jews of the same episode who opposed Paul and rejected the gospel and so who judged themselves unworthy of eternal life in verse thir- uh, chapter 13, verse 46. And that most accurate translation of the phrase in question would be something like this, as many as were disposed to eternal life believed, which, you know, it seems, it seems fitting in that passage. So kind of like preaching. a set spike in volleyball. Yeah, kind of. So Paul yeah. is Paul is preaching in the synagogues there. That was his standard practice. He would go to the Jewish synagogues, being a Jew himself, and he would go and preach there. And you would find kind of a mixed multitude in the synagogues. You'd find faithful Jews, and then you'd find Gentiles who were God-fearers. These were Gentiles who were interested right. in the God of uh, the so they Old were Testament. Like, they were like Jesus vulnerable. Yeah, so they're disposed yeah. to believe. They're ready to believe. They're, okay. ready, they're, they're ready for the picking for some good evangelist to come along and, and preach the gospel. And as soon as they heard it, they, they believed unto life. Now, that's different than being predisposed. Or predestined. No, no, no. Predisposed. Like predisposed. you're busy. Yeah. Well, well people use it. Oh, okay. I guess, yeah. I, I guess I kind of wrongly contextually defined that word in my head. So, okay, yeah. Disposed. Predisposed. Right. Yeah. Predisposed. He's predisposed right now. So, so, I mean, obviously there is one way to view this verse, which a Calvinist would view it, view it in the way that God mysteriously, for reasons known only to him, chooses certain individuals for salvation and certain not for salvation. This is what's called uh, double predestination. He, he predestines some to be saved and he predestines others to hell. The majority, apparently. So it's like a two-scoop approach. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't hold to that. I think it has a real problem with the nature of God. It, it makes him pretty, pretty rotten. Do you think we got somebody out there trying to troll us? Most of the time. That's pretty good. We're good with That's trolls. A, that was a sneaky, We're that was totally a kind of a sneaky trolls. way to get us to talk about the big C again. Troll us all the more. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, great question. Great question. And uh, yeah, let's love it. So very Rock cool. On. I feel like that was answered. I, I think for the most part, yeah. Because yeah. at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, uh-huh. when the shenanigans are over, yes, you never want to have to worry about this with, as far as your salvation anyway. Appointed, not appointed. 
Just you trust in just Jesus. Just be saved. And, yeah, trust Jesus. <sighs> okay, number two. Was Jesus talking to us in present time in Matthew 16, 24 through 25, or was that message meant for the disciples? I guess we probably need to read old Matthew 16. Well, let's take a look at this. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So what's the question here? Uh, Was Jesus talking to us in in present present time time in Matthew 16, 24, and 25? Or was that message meant for the disciples? I I personally am going to say that when we read if anyone and for whoever in that passage, I think it's a uh, a general thing that he's speaking, general teaching to anyone and whoever. Uh, not just to his disciples. You know, that makes me think of another question. Yeah. Kind of a neat thing I've run across from time to time, and people have questions about it. Like, uh-huh. sometimes there'll be a promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, future and a hope. He's oh, Jeremiah 29. Yeah, 11. he's talking about Israel, right? Right. But I also see, you know, Christians, right. you know, thousands of years later, will take that scripture and they'll go, well, that's a promise to me too. And so how do we handle those things out of the That's Old like Testament? That's like the one in Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, right. yeah, I'll hear from heaven and restore their life. Yeah, you know. How do, how do you process all those? Because I know they're clearly out of context. It's right. a promise that's made to when somebody. When we just grab it for ourselves. But we grab it for ourselves. And I understand there's encouragement in that and there's yeah. truth in it and all those things. What's a good way to approach all that? I think it's a, just for people out there. Because yeah. I, I hear that a lot. And like, oh, I read this and this and, you know, I closed my eyes i needed an answer i put my finger in the bible <laughs> yeah what I do we call this. that bible roulette or something bible roulette yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, yeah i think that we need to carefully interpret and apply scripture first and foremost in its context so because without you know, context a text without a context is a con there you go yeah yeah if you take text from a context yeah it's a con something like that who knows i stole that from daniel fusco Oh, really? I think so. I think I heard him say that once, and I thought, you know, that's You should have profound. just said a pastor in the Pacific Northwest no, with No, let's just name him. Just name, name him. Name it and claim him? Okay. Name it and claim him. You claim him? Is he one of your friends? <laughs> anyway, when the Bible says, uh, if my people who are called by my name will you humble themselves. You didn't answer that, man. I'm going to answer that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, and the Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, the future and hope passage. Or people love to take uh, Jeremiah 1, 5, the passage about, having, you know, I, I chose you from your mother's womb and right. ordained you. We like to say that we like to apply that to ourselves. We need to first and foremost apply it in its historic context and to the people to whom it was addressed. So I think that the second Chronicles, I think it's second Chronicles 16, maybe somewhere around there that if my people who are called by my voice, we are not the people that are being spoken of in that passage. We're not Israel. Um, We like to, you know, apply that to ourselves and it's basically out of context to do that. I would say the same thing with Jeremiah 29, 11, but Mm -hmm. There's still great encouragement in the scriptures there. I think we can recognize that God principally, he He does relate to us in those sort of ways as well. So I'm trusting he has a future and a hope for me. And then I know there's, you know, obviously there's truth in it. So like, right. you know, before, while you're in your mother's womb, uh-huh. I knew you. You knew me? No, I no. didn't. Oh, okay. He said he did. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, that was just weird. Is it home. fair to say that God knew us in our mother's womb, all of us? I'm going to say yes. I mean, Absolutely. Psalm 139, is it? Where yeah. he knits us together? Yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. there's a truth. Uh-huh. there that we can take home for ourselves. However, that promise 
was not for us. Yeah, just interpret it in its context yeah, first and foremost. I, I agree yeah. with that. That's, that's why I brought it up. And if there's really a principle that we can pull from there and apply, then yeah, we pull the principle and apply it yeah. to ourselves in our day. Yeah, God's truth is truth. But a lot of times it seems like he'll have a message for, let's say, the Jews yeah. many times. We'll read the Old Testament and we we can take those out of context. I hear that a lot. But on this specific text, the Matthew 16, 24, I mean, he is speaking to his disciples, but he says, if anyone and whoever. And right. so and, I think that we can take that and say that Jesus is making a general statement um, that if anyone wants to come and follow him as a disciple. Now, I mean, obviously the principle and the teaching here is important that there is a level of self-denial and cross-bearing mm-hmm. that is necessary in becoming a, a follower of Jesus. So if you're going to follow Christ and be a disciple of Christ, then count the cost. There's a cost of discipleship. Right. And that's why I brought this up because it's a very specific, yeah. it's, I, I think it's a great question. Yeah, it is. But it also had brought up that other question. That's why I brought it up because this is specific to you and I. Uh-huh. It applies to us. It does. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah. Intriguing. Inquiring minds want to know. Do they? Yeah. I think so. I hope so. How many questions didn't we, like how many questions does the average five-year-old I think it was four years old. Four-year-olds are the most inquisitive, I think it was. Yeah. I don't remember. It was crazy. How many thousand questions? Lots. Poor moms. Oh, if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, you're, oh, gosh. My kids, I love the questions they come up with. Evangeline is the queen of the what-if question, and they're like the most insane what-if questions. Like, it would be like, Mom, what if a giant bird swooped down and grabbed me and ripped me away from you? What would you do? And it's just kind of like, huh, where is your mind, child? But, you know, we always try to answer. We would chase down that bird. We would come and rescue you from the fiery phoenix. (laughs) Yeah, you'd be just fine. You'd be fine. We'd we'd save you if a pterodactyl came down. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, number three. Number three. Mm -hmm. It's not a question. What? Number three is not a question. It is, thank you guys for what you do. Michael, I think it's Strather. I think I must have copied these and just pasted them to you. Really? Yeah. Uh, I he Michael. I like him. This is our new friend Michael. He's new to the church. He's a he's a faithful listener. He is a faithful listener. You know what I you know you know what I knew I liked that guy? Huh. Easter Sunday. Uh-huh. He's wearing a camouflage Cabela's shirt. Man. And a kindred spirit. Yeah, Kel- Cabela's hat. There you go. And I walked up to them and I and he had never met me before. Yeah. And so that's a dangerous thing. Yep. I walked right up to him. He was on his iPad getting ready for service. I said, man, if you're if you're looking up sporting equipment, a gun or a bow, you might be my new best friend. Well, it's, you know, you the know there's certain things that, that you can wear that instantly create kinship. Like I have my Vortex hat. Yeah. And, you know, it's got the Vortex symbol on it. Mm-hmm. There's probably many of our listeners who don't know what Vortex is. Mm-hmm. But there's the select few that will know that, that symbol on that hat. And they go, hey. Vortex. You're a buddy. Go, All right. We're friends. Yeah. We're exactly. friends. We're on the same side. Right. I love it. So uh, I'm super stoked. One of the new guys to the church looks like he's on board. You know what he was on board with? Huh? I want to do like a, you know, because I'm really big on marriage, right? Yeah. You've and been married I'm for big. how long? I'm big and I'm married. 32 years. 32 years. And you got to gotta keep the flame alive. Yeah. Right? And so. So I'm told. I want to do like, you know, a little marriage date trip up to Bass Pro Shop. Ah, I mean, there's just what will the wives do? They'll be at Bass Pro Shop, right? There's a lot of good clothes and stuff up there. Actually, you know, when we we did a family vacation to Colorado last year and we drove down from Breckenridge down to Denver to get back on our plane 
And when we got to Denver, we were like, man, that trip went, went much faster than we thought it would go. So I said, Andrea, what do, you, what do you want to do? We don't need to be at the airport for hours. She goes, let's go to Cabela's. I was like, Those I, are sweet I knew words. I loved you. Oh, man, just reaffirming her value. So we just went and walked around Cabela's, which in Denver, Colorado is massive. So does the Cabela's have the big fish tank like the Oh, uh, yeah, Bass they got Pro? it all, man. It's beautiful. Oh, man. It's a religious experience. Well, you go in there, there's like boats for sale. Oh, and yeah, like four-wheelers. I think Elliot sat on the four-wheeler for probably a good 20 minutes. He was, he was in his mind, he was out in the hills, like cruising after elk. Who needs, awesome. who needs Disneyland, man? Totally. It's one of the happiest places on earth. That sees candy, but that's another show. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So anyway, hey, Mike, thanks for uh, listening to us. Really excited about you being at the church here. And uh, he's been sending us questions, so it's good. Right on. We like questions. All right. Keep forward. them coming. How do we experience the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, how do we experience the Spirit in our daily lives if we don't feel the Spirit? I assume they're talking about the Holy Spirit, you think? I would assume so. Okay. That's the Spirit I want to be in connection with. Yeah, I feel like there's two things we need to address. Please do speak. Well, one is, what does it mean to feel the Spirit? Right. And Like a sixth sense? And what does it mean to experience the spirit? Mm. You know, what does that all mean? You got what? some thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting because you go to a prayer meeting or a uh-huh. Wednesday night outreach or something, and you're just kind of waiting around and you're just praying and praising and all that. And people go, man, the spirit was really there. And it's like this tingly, it's like a sensation they're saying. Yeah. And, uh, or maybe they feel like the Lord's speaking to them. And so, uh, that's what they'll say, feel the spirit. That's a very dangerous thing, I think, mm-hmm. because I think we could conjure that up. And I think it's also, you know, it's not, the Holy Spirit is not necessarily a feeling. Now, you and I, yeah, we started out in youth ministry. That's right. Which meant we spent a lot of weeks at camp. Yes, we Around did. afterglows, which plenty of people listening to this probably have no idea what an afterglow is. But after a while... These, these extended worship times mm-hmm. with like darkness and great music and all this sort of stuff and lots of people crying. We would have all these high schoolers and junior hires that thought that those emotional experiences were the spirit. And so if they didn't have an emotional experience, then the, then God wasn't there. And I always had a major issue with that. I'm sure you did as well because right. we, we mocked that a little bit at the time. So uh, yeah, so we have to be careful not to misunderstand our emotions as the work of the spirit right now i think it's very it's uh very practical and spiritual to go sit in a corner somewhere or a mountaintop i've set and just wait and to experience just whatever god maybe will download on us to pray uh-huh. and to wait and to kind of clear our hearts yeah and it's amazing what happens when you can just clear your head and your heart and and just sit there and just wait on the lord and and uh but i i think it's really dangerous to say that it's a it's a feeling uh, so to speak, uh, that the Holy Spirit is a feeling. Let's uh, go. Well, over. yeah, and I mean, I do think that that God can work in and through. You know, He can work by some feeling, some emotion, those things. But we have to be careful to be very discerning. Maybe with better those said, things. just a feeling. How's yeah, that yeah, just a feeling. I would say that that's a good way to put it. I, yeah. I don't know. I, the prompting of the Spirit. I would say there's there's a number of times where I sense like I think the Lord is prompting me. And a lot of times the Spirit is prompting me to do things that I'm not necessarily disposed, there's that word again, predisposed, disposed to do. For example, it's like you have that prompting. You should talk to that person and share the gospel with them. Oh, gosh, all the time, yeah. 
And then I have this little internal battle, like, no, I, I think, yeah, you know, I got 12 other things I need to do right now. They look really busy, and I probably shouldn't do that right now. <laughs> I'm sure you never do that. I, You're I, far more spiritual. Well, you know, I'm a little more loose cannon when it comes to those things. I'm in a place in my life right now where it's... Uh, You're a loose cannon? A little bit. Okay. I, I like to... I love Stir to talk to people, and then uh, I wait for the prompting of the Spirit. Uh-huh. And a lot of times I'll go, Lord, what, you know, you can say it's always, you should always share the gospel in every moment and in every opportunity. But I do think there's a, like a prompting of the spirit where you can clearly sense there's something going on with somebody and they want that next question answered. Right. And uh, I think that takes some time. uh, Just try to, you know, gear your head and your heart. And the, the, just waiting on the Spirit of the Lord to, to pick up on those prompts sometimes, like a lot of other things. So, yes, but it's not just a feeling. Okay, so that's one way of looking at it. How do you experience the Spirit in our daily lives if we don't feel the Spirit? Let's talk about some, what are some uh, prime conditions to be walking in the Spirit? Prime conditions to be walking in the things Spirit. Things you can do to provide the conditions for you to be able to some of the things we can do so that we can walk in the spirit, be more apt to walk in the spirit. I, I find that developing sister, or, uh, spiritual disciplines is helpful. Okay. Spiritual disciplines of prayer and reading the scriptures and meditating upon the Bible and, you know, worship. These kind of spiritual disciplines, I think, are very, very helpful in discerning and developing a, a sensitivity to the leading of the spirit. And one of the other things, I mean, we were looking at that other, other passage in uh, Matthew 16, the deny yourself. Uh, I think that dying to your flesh or denying yourself is really, really helpful to make you more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So one of the ways that I think you can do this, which is a challenge for people, is fasting. And fasting doesn't necessarily need to be fasting from food. I mean, it could be fasting from social media or, you know, iPhones or whatever it is that's, or fasting from the news, which I, man, I encourage a lot of people to fast from the news pretty regularly. Uh, so unless they're listening to the news moment with Pastor Mark and Pastor Miles. Well, that's different. That's, that's ed- really important. That's edifying. Those are, those the are news edifying. is not those edifying. Yeah. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I think developing spiritual disciplines that are clearly seen in the Scripture, times of um, Sabbath, you know, taking some time and going away like you were talking about. Yeah. Go find a place and sit on a mountaintop somewhere with your Bible and just spend some time in prayer reading. And I think that you will find that God is, is working in and through those things. I, I think the things that you... Your, you you know, they've said what, your calendar and your checkbook say a lot about what your priorities are, right? Yeah. And I think if you have, make it a priority to be in a quiet place with the Lord, and sometimes that's just, I have a, you know, a couple chairs that uh, I like to sit in, drink a cup of coffee, read my Bible, uh, pray, uh, just a real quiet place and, and go and pray. It's a great, you know, taking that as, uh, making that a priority. Uh, that's a way to make it a lot more apt that I will walk on the spirit when I leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking those times to go hike up a mountain or to go ride your bicycle someplace or to go listen to worship music someplace. I mean, it's like any other relationship. Um, the more you pour into it, the more you'll get out of it, right? I mean, if you really love somebody and you want to be close to somebody, you spend time with them. Absolutely. And you do that as a priority without being nagged, so mm-hmm. to speak. So. Yeah, the more time you spend with the Lord in prayer and in the scriptures and in worship and, you know, those times of devotion, the more you will experience the presence of the Lord and him directing and leading you. And like I said, sometimes he leads you into things that 
there's a part of your flesh that's like, yeah, I don't really want to share with that person right now, but the Lord is prompting. Okay. So, so obey. And yeah, there, there's another key thing. The more you obey the word of God and do those things, the more God will speak to you and direct you into it. Right. And it's trust, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing the uh, 50th time bungee jumping is a lot less hairy than the first one. Wow. Maybe. Trust. I don't know. I've never been bungee jumping. Me neither. I'd never do mm. that. Yeah. But, looks, you know. Looks, looks no fun to me. No. It mm. doesn't. I don't, I don't get the thrill ratio, but I'm sure some people are into it, but not me. There you so go. Anyway. But mm. it's like anything else. Take the risk. Go. So that's, I think that's how we experience the Holy Spirit in our life, by practicing setting time aside and uh, allowing God's Spirit to work through us, particularly with people. And let's face it, the way that people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is by the Holy Spirit. Right. Leads us into that. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, number five. If I have been fully forgiven, do I need to keep asking for forgiveness and how often? Well, I think it's it's important to acknowledge that Jesus' death on the cross, what we've been talking about quite a bit in 1 John, he is the propitiation for our sins. His death is the sufficient sacrifice for dealing with our sin, the penalty of sin and all the whole deal. Um, so, you know, our sin, his, his sacrifice is sufficient to deal with all of it. But the other thing is, is that I think it's important for us to do as the scriptures call us to do, like we've been studying through 1 John 1, 9, confess, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So I think that we should, should do that when we acknowledge, when we see that we have sinned, a lot of times that's a work of the spirit. He convict, he convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So as we sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we should confess that to the Lord. And then his sin or his forgiveness is appropriated by our, our confession. So he is faithful and just to forgive us for all those things. So, so yeah, as often as you recognize that you have sinned, confess it to the Lord. So I guess that answers the how often question. Right. As often as you sin, there confess. You yeah. You There's a lot of mystery and misconceptions, I think, around the Holy Spirit. Yeah, That's absolutely. Good. Man. Yeah, there's some really wacky stuff. There too. are some wacky people. Yeah, really. I was watching some video last night. Don't know how I ended up watching this of some, uh, some snake handler? TV. No, some TV, shall we say, evangelist. Oh, he was, that guy. He was batting people down and they were he was doing like the the force touch from across the let room. the bodies hit the floor type thing kind of yeah yeah he wow. was basically doing that a thing to, he's so he's not a bible commentator well one of the guy one times he like he like just moved both of his arms at this guy this guy was five feet away and this guy like his feet went up in the air and fell back and i went hmm you don't think that was staged do you? yeah i think that's it was on a stage Ooh. it was definitely staged they weren't handling snakes i hear an alarm Ooh, cool. They're working on the alarms here. Oh, okay. Hey, We're having some problems I, on Sunday. I had to go to my house for something, and uh-huh. I went to go back in the house. Yeah. And I wish I had my phone in front of me. There was like a four and a half foot gopher snake right in front of oh, my door. Oh, wow, cool. I almost stepped on him. Gopher snakes are great. Oh, they're awesome. But I, I thought, man, if that had been a rattlesnake. The serpent. Ooh. Ooh. Some people would take that as a spiritual sign that you had a serpent in front of your door. He was trying to keep me out of my house. Hmm. You shall crush his head. He will bruise your heel. I let him go because we got a lot of gophers. Kill them gophers. All right. I said, get on your way, little buddy. Do your job. So anyway, so keep asking forgiveness. How often? I think, yeah. Yeah, as often as as you you recognize that you've sinned. You know, and when 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess, I take that as a conditional, you know, so 
as often as we sin, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So you should confess when you sin. Right. But you don't need to freak out about this, people. I mean, if you miss a sin or something, you're not going to hell. Okay? You're good. He's got it. He's got it. If you miss a sin. But it's good to repent. I think so. Especially when you recognize, man, I screwed up. Which means sometimes it's important not only to confess your sin to the Lord, but go and confess and apologize to whoever it is that you sinned against. Yeah, that's that's sadly, 32 years of marriage, you said? 32 years of marriage. I bet you've never had to do that. Rarely, because, I mean, let's face it, I'm almost never wrong. Well, there but, you go. You know, and when you just start out that humble. Land the plane, Mark. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so my <laughs> wife's next door. You can ask her. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah, but don't call. Okay, there mm, you go. Mm. So uh, forgiveness. Yeah, well, they say if you want to learn forgiveness, get married. If you want to learn patience, have children. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we step on one another. Why is it the people closest to us are the ones that step on our toes the most and we step on their toes? I think they're just around us more. Is that the problem? Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Number what? Six? Six. Do you have any daily routine advice to help me read the Bible? Yes. Do you? Practically, I, I like we talked about habit. Mm-hmm. Have a place that you go to read the Bible and a time, right? So you don't forget to brush your teeth. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you don't forget to drink coffee in the morning. I don't. If you if you forget to brush your teeth, people will know. They and will listen. If you forget to read your Bible, it'll begin to get stinky. You will lose your spiritual minty freshness. Right, people will notice. It's like a toothbrushing and a listerining. Is that a word? Sure. Yeah. Mouth washing, clean your soul, man. Yeah, so just I like you brush your teeth, make clean it a your good soul. Habit. Make it a good habit, right? So a place, a time. I mm-hmm. recommend in the morning, early, okay, before the day comes. Uh, I like to have uh, like an emergency one. If like, whoa, everything got ahead of me, you know, have like a timeout. Yeah, like I can, you know, just if I have to. Like I, I think it's really good to have a devotion you go through with somebody else. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um. A lot of times my wife and I, you know, she'll come to me with her part of her devotion. Uh-huh. And one of those parts of her devotion will be like a streams in the desert, a real simple one, but it okay. has a, a day thing that you can track. And it's really amazing how often one of those will coincide with yeah, something with you what need you're going to through minister to somebody that day. And so that thing is timeless. I love it. So Truly. it's really good. Uh, that's kind of a quick, quick, that's like a bagel for breakfast, a quick snack. Oh, okay. You know I mean? It's like a prepackaged. There you go. Um, preservative free right and then another one i think is a good one well it's kind of like the first one but like i started riding bikes because and i stuck with it because i have guys that depend on me to be there to ride bikes gotcha and so if maybe you're part of a bible study group or uh you have again have a devotion with your spouse something like that where you there somebody's depending on you to be there to develop that habit and then when you're not doing it something's missing it shows yeah exactly your soul gets stinky. Again, you lose your minty freshness. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so I would say on this one, I think that start out, read a little bit, and then uh, you know maybe five minutes a day, a chapter a day in the morning. Take the time to read the scriptures, read a little bit, and gradually add more and more over time and uh, make it a habit. Make it something that you do regularly all the time, every morning. What do you yeah. think of those text messages people get with uh, scriptures and all that where they're reminded? I think they can be really helpful. Like I, we have the, I set up that listening plan. It's been like mm-hmm. four years ago now. We have like 2,100 people that get an email in their inbox every single morning. Wow. 
and uh, it just has and they don't even need to read anything they just click the button and they can listen to the chapter going through the New Testament for that day and um, yeah I know there's there's a good fair amount of people about 200 250 people a day that actually open it and listen to it so that's kind of cool that's super cool right super cool I'm down with that all right um how long does it take when reading the Bible for our affections to change? Oh, I was talking about this on Sunday. Really? What did you say? I mean, the I whole passage, there. love not the world nor the uh, things of the world. Yeah, that whole passage in First John chapter 2. That, And my point, I don't remember the point. It was something along the lines of, you know, God's abiding word in us, you know, causes our affections to change over time. That's been my experience. You know, I think that um, when you because he says love not the world and all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh lust of the eyes of pride of life a person who's not got the spirit of god in them they've they've not become a believer and been transformed by god's grace that person desires the things of this world the lust of the eyes lust of flesh pride of life and there's no reason to not go after those things as a non-believer but when the word of christ abides in you and when his spirit is in you then your affections start to change you don't have a desire for those things in the same way um, but how long, what was the question? How long does it take when reading the scriptures for your affections to change? <laughs> well, in my own experience, I found it, you know, in, in some cases, you know, it takes long time in some places it's quick. You know, sometimes there's affections that just immediately change. And sometimes there are things that take a long time as gradual, gradual process. Um, some things change quick. Some things take a long time. Some things never go away. And so there are strong desires in your flesh towards things that, Maybe you're still there after you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. I'm thinking of people who struggle with addiction. Like we know some people in the church who oh, yeah. they've got a background with substance abuse and alcohol and drugs. And so there's still a temptation there and they've been clean for 20 years, 30 years. Right. I know one gentleman's been clean for 30 plus years. And, um, but that desire is still there, but he's developed spiritual disciplines to stay away from it. So, you know, that affection has not gone away. So one day when we, shed this corruption this corruption puts on incorruption this mortality puts on immortality first corinthians 15 says in a moment in a twinkling of an eye when we are with the lord uh those those affections of the flesh will be gone um so twinkle lord twinkle twinkle please yeah really uh yeah and then you have the old you know delight yourself in the lord and he will give you desires of your heart right and i think the key to that verse is it's not that our you know, we pull God's arm in the like a slot machine. Everything we want comes to pass. That's not it at all. It's the uh-huh. fact that our desires become just like the Lord's desires, and the Lord's desires are always fulfilled. Right. It's you know our challenge is that many times our desires are in the wrong place. So, truly, you know, I'm with you on that one. All right. So I think we answered that. Yes. Wow, we're answering stuff. We are. Okay. So. Oh, this is a good one. Number eight. Is it wrong to have nice slash expensive things? And then it says one. I don't know if that got cut off or something. Oh, yeah. I think that was cut off. Okay. Is it wrong to have nice or expensive things? Not necessarily, I would say. Okay. Your thought? Um, Let's see. I'm thinking right off the bat, I'm thinking about Abraham, that guy in Genesis. Yeah. He had he was pretty wealthy, and there's a fair number of people in the scriptures that were pretty wealthy. Yeah, it didn't make you a bad guy. Lot, right? Uh, you know, it is me, interesting uh, in in the time Job, of Christ. Job, I'm thinking Job. Job, Job he's the Job wealthiest man. Loaded, yeah, he was wealthy. Dude. So, in in Jesus's day, there was a teaching 
among the Jews, rabbinical teaching of the day, uh, or a thought among people that if you were wealthy, you were blessed by God. And, you know, basically this was going back to the time of Job. Right. I mean, if you're clearly Job, you're blessed by God. You have all this wonderful stuff and then everything goes away and clearly you're cursed by God. So, um, so that was the wrong, the wrong view of riches. You know, I did the math one day on what it would take to feed all the livestock that Job had. Whew. Like using my dog that I had as a benchmark. Uh-huh. It was thousands. Wow. I mean, yeah, he had a lot of Man, animals. You must, have, you must have had a slow day that day. No, it was for a sermon. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, junior high sermons, you know, you got to research those things. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was like, yeah, he had a lot of animals, almost like your house. Oh, my goodness. Your little, the zoo, the De Benedicta Zoo. We got that. We live right behind the wild animal park, and we got our own little wild animal park. Yeah. Have you had any deaths lately? Um, did we did we did lose a lizard uh, not too long ago. He was quickly replaced. So was this like a, a so, wild, war, no, free roaming lizard or yeah, a purchase lizard? Yeah, no, this one, this one is a no. Wait, no, like this a, was a purchased lizard. Oh. Yeah. The, okay, so Fred 1.0 died. <laughs> we got Fred 2.0. 2.0. We're on Fred 3.0. So did your kids know it's a different lizard? Oh yeah, it's a different kind of lizard. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. we asked Elliot, like, what do we want to name this one? Fred. Well, the last one was named Fred. Yep. Fred 3.0. All right. Yeah. My youngest... And we have Dave 2.0. Dave 2.0 is a guinea pig. Oh, my youngest Dave daughter 1. had... Uh... Dave 1.0, he dehydrated oh, to death. <laughs> Let's not Poor talk about Dave, that. Dave, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. What was Dave? Dave was a... Guinea pig. Oh. Yeah. Would the little ball thing stop working in the cage? <laughs> yep. Wow. Yes, it did. Yeah, he, yeah, he expired. That's what they say in the ICU where my wife works. He expired. expired. Yeah, it's like a sell-by date. I guess so. It wow. sounds so heartless when they say that. He expired. expired. Yeah. Wow. See, we got it better. We get we get to say, yeah, no, he's with the Lord, with Jesus. Yeah. Well, is, the it, same is guys. it wrong to have nice things, expensive things? No. Just you know, is it wrong to have? Okay. So, I got a verse that comes to mind. All right, throw it out there. Uh, from Paul in 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, these are the rich people, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Okay, so what do you say to the person like, who says, mm, let's see, you didn't need a name the car. Tesla? Let's, let's say, yeah. Tesla. You didn't need a Tesla. You bought you a Tesla. You didn't need a Tesla. You could have sold that Tesla and given it to the poor. More money to the poor. Man, driven you, a you, Mini know, Cooper. you what, know very you well that? that I got a good answer for this. I want to hear it. Because I've, I, yeah, Teslas. The cost of ownership over time is much less than a Honda Accord. Oh, because you can lease it out or what? No, it's just uh, maintenance, no oil changes, no gas, no, the, the whole deal. The cost of ownership over time is much less. So it's a much more economical car. Plus it's green. It's much better for the environment. Yeah. I've been I, thinking about this for a while. Oh yeah, you have yeah, been. You're, uh -huh. you're selling it, bro. Right. So, uh -huh. Yeah. Someday, so, maybe. Expensive things. Love not the things of the world. Right. Don't so, love those things. You cannot have an attachment to these things where you're putting these things over people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think that point, because this is what the first thing when I read this question, the first thing that came into my mind 
was do not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. That's that passage right mm-hmm. there. And, and I think it's important. I mean, if 2008 proved anything, it's yeah. that riches can be pretty uncertain. And a lot of people and a lot of people in America, it got exposed. What was their idol? Their idol was their, their hope was all bound up in the 401k or their, their house price or whatever it was. And man, when that stuff dropped, uh, they, they lost their cookies, man. They lost their, their hope. Right. Not a good thing. If your hope is bound up in earthly things, you're in trouble. Right. And I, I think if you struggle with an affection for very expensive things, uh-huh. that's probably a dangerous place to be because that can really be covetousness can be a challenge. Right. And I know I know guys who God's really working with them right now. Um, they love shiny, expensive things. And yeah. Believers. And God has taken a lot of those shiny, expensive things away from them right now because I think it's become a uh, a snare to them. Yeah. So I think it's like anything else. Yep. You know? Well, and it is interesting. You know, there are some very wealthy people who they have a lot of stuff, a lot of money, a lot of nice things, and they give a whole bunch away. Yeah. So, well, I know some really wealthy people, but, and I, honestly, God would not trust me with that kind of wealth. I, he hasn't, hasn't yet. obviously. Yeah. Um, that were some of the most uh, giving and people that share their stuff with people. Yeah. Uh, really, really, I was impressed, and I learned a lot by that. And I know for us, when we have things... You know, our house, when we had a boat, all those things. We used to like to share those with people. Yeah. It was a lot lot better. So, Well, and I think it's very important, and I teach this in the finance class that we've done in the past, that one of the first principles that a Christian needs to understand when it comes to finances is that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and that the things that I have are not mine. I'm a steward of God's resources. He has committed these things into my hand to steward them well, and I believe I'll be accountable for how I have stewarded those things. So, you know, I count myself just amazingly blessed uh the the things that my wife and i have been blessed with the home and all the stuff that we have and we do our best to share it as much as possible open it up and have people over and be hospitable and and then at the same time we seek to be those who give you know he says um in that passage in first timothy 6 verse 18 let them do good these are rich people let them do good that they may be rich in good works ready to give willing to share and that's been kind of my commitment over the years is I want to be hospitable and willing to share what I have. If I get too clutchy with those things that I got to hold on to this thing, then it's, yeah, I, I recognize that could be a problem. You know, a really good point you brought up in a sermon one time. It was a while back, but, um, you know, because people have an issue with wealth and expensive things at times. Uh-huh. And it's like, what were you saying? Like, the, what are the world something center organization was saying? Like, if you have running water in your house, right. yeah. you're part of like 5% of the people in the world. Yeah. Uh, if you have a car, I mean, we're, we're like one percenters. Yeah, there like, is the, uh, let me see if I can find this. Yeah. The global rich list, global rich This is really amazing. So you put in your, where you live. So let's put this in USA dollar and you say annual income. Let's just say your annual income was the, I think the average here in Escondido is like $55,000 a year. I could be off. So let's say you make $55,000 a year in income. Boom. You are in the top. 0.24%. So we have the people that... Not know, even 1%. Yeah, they want to get upset about the 1%. Not if even a half a percent. $55,000 a year, you're in the top 0.24% of the wealth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're super blessed here. So Super, yeah. super blessed. Yep. So don't let the expensive things run your life. Well, and we're going to get to yeah. this in First John. Um, uh, he who has the world's goods. Mm-hmm. Sharing them. Yeah. Let's see. First John. First John chapter three, verse 17. Let's look at verse 16. By this, we know love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
but whoever has the world's goods, that would be us, America, we got it. And he sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? That's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at maybe some problems. Let's look at some signs. So for our loyal listener, uh-huh. uh, you can't afford these expensive things. You have, you're just working yourself to have them. That's probably a wrong thing to have those. If you're just working things. to get stuff? Yeah, yeah. you're just working to get the stuff. Um, you're super covetous, just keeping you up at night wanting this stuff. Your neighbor's got this. Yeah. You wish you got it. You're probably, it's probably wrong to have that thing. There's a Ten Commandments about that. Yeah. Um, this thing takes time away from your family. Uh, your relationship with the Lord is probably wrong to, to have that thing. Um, let's see. If you're buying it to make people envy or look at you, that's mm. probably not the purest yeah, of motives, not good. right? Yeah. Um, gosh. If you're unwilling to give it up, could be a problem. Yeah, I think if you're putting uh, stuff over people, that can be a real problematic thing, especially if you're a Christian. Yeah, It'd be a challenge there because those things are going to burn, but people it's all going to burn anyways. Yeah, so I think that's a good that's a good uh, thing. Like anything that really has more focus, are more focused on that, or we're more focused on that than the Lord. Hmm. You know, we're completely consumed. Well, okay, one of my favorite movies. The Red Rider BB gun with a thingy in the mm. stock that tells time, right? You shoot your eye out, that kid. That kid was focused. He had to have it. He had to. And what happens to so many people when they get that bright, shiny object and they've had it for a day or two? Shot his eye out. Exactly. Mm. Buyer's remorse times two. So, But he had made it through soap poisoning, Ralphie. Yep. That's true. Hey, don't forget your Ovaltine. Oh. Man, is that it? I think that's it. And remember in that movie, they had the secret password. That was it, wasn't it? Don't forget your Ovaltine. It was. Don't, don't forget your. For, what's it for? He us? got the super secret decoder ring. Oh, what is our secret password? Yeah. Read your Bible, pray every day. Yeah. Do you remember the old Sunday school song? Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day. Yeah, I didn't know pray that one. Pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. I remember the B-I-B-L-E. That's yes, the book that's for me. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand, stand alone, alone on the, the Word of God, God the B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. And I am a C. I'm a C-H. I'm a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N. I've never been an acronym guy. And I have C-H-R-I-S-T and my H-E-A-R-T and I L-I-V-E-E-T-R-N-A-L-O-Y. There you go. Yeah. Spelling B. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Try doing that as a dyslexic dyslexic sun tie yep i think so, that's it we answered the i cannot believe is that how many minutes is this we are at 58 minutes and 34 seconds that is lightning quick depending on Mike what we and, cut off Mark and miles end. oh i got a mile story Ooh, you didn't even know it you got a story about me well no oh do tell about, about a miles so i got uh, a about email a miles i got an email not this mile from a miles herps herps yeah hmm. i'm like i don't know him miles herps and then I got a clarification. It was really from Andy Reid, who does our Good News Club. Yeah, she has a kid named Miles. No. She, she does. Does she have a kid yes, named Miles? Yes, she does. Oh, really? Okay. That's yeah. Well, the deal was is he set up her Gmail account or something, I guess ah. it is. And he thought it would be funny that he used herps, which means snake. Herpetologist. Yep. Short for herpetologist. Herpetologist. So he thought it was funny. So, well, I guess could, what? We have outro music. So... Adios. I guess this is it. Wow.